This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. I am here this week with this year's winner of the Lifetime Achievement Award in Highway Safety for our law enforcement category, Rick Fambro, the recently retired colonel of the Ohio State Highway Patrol. I think I got that full title correct, right? Spot on. All right. Okay. So welcome and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Was it a surprise? You got a call from Ann Farrow, I assume, to let you know that you had been selected? Yes. When Ann called me, I was shocked. <laughs> and I thought she was kidding. And I literally told her, I said, Ann, uh, no, not me. I'm sure there are many more people more deserving than me. So, well, yeah, L- lifetime, you know, sometimes sounds like a big, big word, you know, because but it's really about a, a career recognition and certainly the work you've done in the in the highway safety space and the law enforcement space. So uh, highway, uh, Ohio, mm-hmm. is that uh, where you're originally from? Yes. Born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, the capital okay. city. So, yes, loving it and still there. What, growing up, when at what age you, did the law enforcement trajectory first appear to you? Is it, you know, as a kid? Sometimes, you know, kids they go, "That's what I want to do." You know, is that f- true for you? No, yeah, no. It's funny. I tell the story. Um, I'll do an abbreviated version here. I actually grew up just down the street from the Highway Patrol Academy. Okay. But I had never seen and. I, the academy is in the inner city, which is where I grew up, mm. but I had never really seen or interacted with a trooper outside of seeing them at the state fair mm. because they worked the Ohio Department of Natural Resources booth, and obviously they walked around the fairgrounds. Yeah. So I never had an interest in being a, a trooper. Okay. Um, never really interacted with one. So when, when does it first uh, appear? Well, let's before we jump there, so yeah. you're growing up in the inner city of, of Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um what was what was childhood like for for Rick Famro in Columbus, Ohio? It was crazy. Um, grew up in a single parent household. Okay. Mom raised three boys oh, wow. in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot growing up, but mom always did without to provide for us. What and type of work was she? She, doing? she actually, my mom, believe it or not, was on government assistance for many years. Okay. Um, and my mom had uh, desired to get out of that space. And finally landed a good job working for General Electric oh, uh, yeah. on the line. And that was kind of our ticket out. I remember uh, her taking us down to uh, the Franklin County Welfare Department to actually talk to the caseworker to transition off of government assistance. So that childhood was, was good, mm-hmm. but it was tough at times. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. So um, when you say that is the ticket out, is that, but still in Columbus, not, yes. you're not a literal ticket, move out, yeah, ticket out of that lifestyle. Correct. Into, yeah, correct. Yeah. Of relying on the government to, yeah. to take care of us. Yeah. I mean, she was not proud of that, um, but she was always hardworking and, and determined, you know, that we would somehow make it out of where we were living. I mean, it wasn't yeah. a bad environment, but sure. she rented a house. I mean, she she wanted to have something a little bit bigger for for us as we grew. Yeah. So we moved to a different neighborhood, a, a better neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and when I say the ticket out, that was kind of the start and transition, even for her. Yeah. 
you know, providing differently for her family. Yeah. So yeah. she's very proud of that. Tight, sounds like a tight family, you yes. know, with, uh, still with still your to brothers. This day. Yeah. 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 Mom is uh, still alive. My oh. brothers, uh, my mom is battling dementia right now. Oh. So uh, it's tough to see yeah. her uh, go through that. Sure. But, I'm happy that I'm still in Ohio, uh, you know, to be so able to take care of her. her. Yes, yeah. yes. The brothers, too, or they've moved away? One is in Florida. The okay. other lives in Black Lake, which is a suburb of the Columbus area. Okay. So, yeah, he's, he's around as well. So uh, you grow up, tight family, get through high school. Mm-hmm. Where, where does the life after high school take you? So the Ohio State University. Yes. Um, I'd, I'd actually uh, started the first trimester of college. I was the first to go to college out of the family. Okay. So I went to DeVry Institute mm-hmm. of Technology, which is now DeVry University. Yep. And I realized very quickly after the first trimester that I didn't think I had the smarts for trigonometry and <laughs> some of the subject matter and, and electrodes and diodes. Yep. And, and I made the decision to switch to OSU. Okay. And I uh, went to OSU, believe it or not, got uh, kicked out of OSU. Mm. Uh, three years of the abyss of trying to work two jobs, uh, uh, going to school full-time. The grades just weren't there. Be, yeah. And I uh, got put on academic probation. And uh, eventually I got called to West Campus to talk to my advisor who told me, young man, you need to either go to junior college, get your grades back up and reapply mm-hmm. here at OSU, or you know, find your bent in life. You know, And mm-hmm. that was good advice because sure. it was tough to hear. But, you know, it's like a train coming down the tracks. You can hear that whistle and yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, I started thinking at that time I was working full time at Discover Card. And mm. um, I started thinking about what, wh- where my life was going to go, yeah. how, how I was going to pay my bills and take care of myself. Yeah. And I did a rudimentary Gantt chart at my desk one day. And I, at the same time I'm doing this, I heard an advertisement for the Columbus Division of Police. Okay. I said, that's it. People. I, everything on my Gantt chart came back to people. Okay. And I made the decision that day I was going to go apply to be a Columbus, Columbus police officer. And I got down to the uh, city safety building. And I could tell as soon as I got off of the elevator that I just didn't have the intestinal fortitude to mm. arrest people that I had grown up in the neighborhood with. Oh. And before the elevators could shut, I jumped back on. And... Yeah. My dream of becoming a police officer, I thought, ended there. Um, it was within a couple of months I was talking to a um, family friend who was telling me all these great things about uh, this academy that he mm-hmm. was in, and he was going to become a state trooper. And I'm like, <coughs> state trooper? Sure. What is that? He said, the Ohio State Highway Patrol. Mm-hmm. And, and he told me about it and said, hey, you ought to apply. And I went to the local post that weekend on a Saturday, and, and they told me, hey, the best chance of you getting into the academy we're recruiting, you should just drive to Columbus. Um, I was in Zanesville at the okay. time, and I drove to Columbus and applied, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. So, so what year is this where you go into the 1989. academy? 1989. Okay. Yeah, August right. of 89 is when I, when I actually got the first, I guess, call from the patrol, and they said, hey, would you like to – uh, in advance of going into the academy in January, how about you go out to one of our local posts and become a cadet dispatcher, mm-hmm. which was the way to learn uh, geography and learn signal codes and just yep. the ba- basic foundation of what a trooper's job yep. is. And that's what I did. So I went to the Lancaster Post uh, in August 
August 18th, I think, of 89, and January uh, 22nd of 19, January, I'm sorry, of 1990, I went into the academy mm. and graduated six months later. Okay. And so as you're going through that, though, what, what changed that, that reaction to say, oh, th this is sitting well with me, I can do this, mm -hmm. That's so different from the reaction at the police department that made you jump back in the elevator. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I think one of the things that really hooked me was the discipline mm -hmm. of state troopers. Um, once you go into the academy, I grew up in a very regimented household. Mm -hmm. uh, Mom didn't, uh, didn't mince words. She was very kind and very compassionate, but she also had to be very direct. Uh, and provide guidance mm -hmm. and sometimes that guidance was through you know a tap on the rear end or you know a tap to the head because you weren't listening mm -hmm. uh, it was immediately apparent to me that there was something special about the discipline and the family atmosphere that uh, Ohio State Highway Patrol provided mm -hmm. and once I got in there I was just hooked I yeah. mean I knew I knew I had landed a career opportunity Interesting. Interesting. So in the early years, um, when does the the mission of Highway Safety, because this Lifetime Achievement Award is really focused on the highway safety portion of, you know, law enforcement, mm -hmm. right? And we know that the patrol has lots of different elements that mm -hmm. folks are responsible for. Um, where does that first hit your radar in terms of the the mission of the patrol and how that fits into that responsibility of being a trooper. How is that introduced in that academy and that early learning of a young trooper's life? Well, that's, that's a really interesting question because I think as a young trooper, I think about the things that I did. Um, I wrote a lot of tickets. Yeah. You know, I interacted with a lot of members of the motoring public. And as a young trooper, I don't think you get it. I didn't get mm -hmm. it. I should say I didn't get it. Because it was task-driven. Yeah, driven. because it's task-driven. Yeah. It wasn't until I became a first-line supervisor that the pieces to the puzzle started to fit together and make sense because they were explaining the why. You know, line assignments meant something. For me, when I was assigned a line as a trooper, I just knew to go out and write tickets. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that we had problem site identification issues or problem behavior identification zones. I would go work those, mm -hmm. but that was that was very uh, directed work. Yeah. You knew why you were there, but it didn't really quite sink in. Well, once I became a sergeant, and you had to motivate people, mm -hmm. you had to check reports, you had to dig for excellence, you had to mentor, counsel, mm -hmm. and coach, you had to be coached. I think it started to make sense that, okay, the reason I'm asking or a sergeant asked me to go work a particular line was because we had a traffic crash issue or we had a right. fatal crash issue. And you start to put those pieces together. And then when I became a post commander, mm -hmm. it became very clear to me as a mm -hmm. lieutenant, okay, there's a mission, there's a focus. And you become kind of a CEO of a post that right. has a multi-million dollar budget. Uh, you've got uh, community-based needs, no one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. um, you have to develop relationships and you have to collaborate with your local partners, not yeah. just in the law enforcement space, but outside. Community and safety leaders, AAA, uh, all kinds of pieces that start to be integrated into that brew that you mm -hmm. have brewing. Mm -hmm. and, and then it hits you. I get it. 
you know, I get it. I don't completely have a handle on it, but I get mm -hmm. what my focus and what the focus of the people that I'm entrusted to lead yeah. means. Yeah. And that's where it clicks. Interesting. Interesting. And through that, I guess, you know, the other piece that you talk about in there is that shifting between always just being the student learning to now you start becoming the one that has to teach the others. And yes. you need mentors and you need to mentor others. To, uh, you know, as you went through the, the ranks, and we know in the patrol, it's a, you know, a very structured layer of ascension that you go yes. through as opposed to, say, some other industries. Yes. Um, tell me about your journey of moving into that management role and recognizing the need of, okay, I'm, you wake up one day, I think this is true for a lot of us, and, oh, I'm no longer the student. I have to be the teacher. Yes. And no one really tells you that's coming in advance. You just kind of realize it. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that, that transformation for you as, as a leader. That's interesting. Uh, really, another great question and point. I think it, as a post commander, as a lieutenant, you realize that you are no longer just responsible for yourself. Mm -hmm. Even as a sergeant, so to speak, you, you had a responsibility for you, but it was more structured in what you were responsible for. You have one of four duties. Um, but as a lieutenant, you then realize, okay, I've got four sergeants. Mm -hmm. They're all different. Uh, they've got different needs. They come from different walks of life. Uh, their, their contribution to what we're trying to achieve matters. And mm -hmm. each one of them, you have to find ways to help extract that, mm. uh, both personally and professionally, while they get to know and extract things from you. Because I went to a post where I had four of the best sergeants I've ever had the, the opportunity to work with. They mm. were extremely competent. And I felt a little unprepared, mm. to your point. Yeah. Going there with uh, a sergeant that's got 20 years on the highway mm. patrol, you know, here what I'm What am at, I going to tell him? Yeah. yeah, yes. Here I'm an 11-year uh, an vet mm -hmm. who really, you know, is wet behind the ears, so to speak. And you really realize that that's where that relationship piece is so important to motivating and being motivated by others mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. And then you lay out a strategy where the five of us collectively started to talk about what we wanted this environment to be. So we really focused on building an environment where we hoped that there would be a list of transfers coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, we mm -hmm. were in uh, southeastern Ohio and you know, it wasn't close to Columbus. It was about an hour away. So we wanted to, to pull some of those great troops from that part of the state into our area. And it focused on treating our people right. You know, how, how do we get the best out of them? Mm -hmm. We build a family, and that's what we focused on. And that building that family piece, I think, was really instrumental in us being able to ask our troopers why and explain to them why we wanted them to do certain mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And it became very apparent that that group of four sergeants were really imperative to us being successful as yeah. a group in that community because Lancaster was a very proud place to be. Um, they had never had a black law enforcement officer in, in the history of oh, the patrol. Interesting. Uh, outside, as, as far as a leader's concerned, yeah, we yeah. had a sergeant there that was right. African-American and uh, he, he had a good run there, but they had never had someone run the post. And, oh, wow. and especially coming back to run the post after having been a cadet dispatcher there. 
So that was unique. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you were there as bottom as of the totem the lowest ball. of the low. Now you're coming back yes. as the boss. Yes. You know, so this is early 2000s? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, 2001. Okay. Yeah. All right. Memorial Day weekend of 2001 was my first day there, first period there. And so coming back at that, it's it's, it's interesting. Um, was that a expected challenge, unexpected challenge, or was it not a challenge and just a, you know, it was different? It was, I expected it to be different yeah. because I knew that there were some of the troops that were still there that were even more uh, of a veteran presence than they were when I was there as a cadet. Right. There were at least three or four troopers still left there who had over 25 years of service. So I didn't know what to expect, to, to be quite honest. Yeah. I was a little scared, you know, sure. naturally. You're yeah. going into an environment where you have a very veteran post of leaders. Yeah. And uh, I ended up getting a, a really warm welcome and reception. Okay. Um, they were very helpful. And, you know, I, I think it helps to go there and really lay your hat on the table and say, hey, I don't know everything. <laughs> I clearly don't have this all figured out. Mm-hmm. And in order for, for us to be successful, it's going to take all of us rowing in the boat. And I'm yeah. not afraid to, to admit to you that I don't know everything. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, that's just not possible. So yeah. how can we work together? Sure. And that ended up being, uh, being kind of the ticket or the olive branch mm-hmm. that needed to be extended to be accepted. Makes sense. So. Yeah. So when does the call uh, for Colonel come? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was weird. Um, Colonel Pride retired in uh, early 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, he had been a just a really great friend and mentor. He had brought me up into his administration uh, as a major. Uh, I'd worked for Colonel Pride a couple of different times and really enjoyed not just working for him, but his mentorship. Mm-hmm. And when he announced to us that he was going to retire, you know, I, you know, I never really and I'm being very candid when I say this, I never had a desire to be Colonel. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything that I thought about. Was it an aspiration? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because it, honestly, I wanted to be the best trooper I could be. And everywhere that I went, I, I really enjoy uh, uh, a comment that Colonel Pride would always make. He said, lead where you are. And leading where you are meant something to me. It meant focus, you know, focus on what you're doing because people are counting on, mm-hmm. on you to do your job. And uh, when our new safety director and governor came in, um, we very quickly uh, got to meet the director and he walked over to the suite uh, about a week in advance of his installation Mm -hmm. and just, you know, said hello. Uh, A couple weeks later, once he's on the job, he, he has his secretary call the secretary at, or the professional staffer in the colonel's office and says, hey, uh, the director wants to meet with you and Colonel Tiford. At the time, we were both lieutenant colonels, and uh, I thought, okay, he wants to get a lay of the land, sure. figure out, you know, who's who, and and uh, that happened. Uh, he ended up uh, talking to myself and then Colonel Tiford, as well as all of the other majors. So we had uh, five majors at the time. So we didn't know that that was a job interview. It was, it was kind of unconventional the way that that went. It yeah. really was a sit down, much like you're doing right. today. Just have a conversation with you. Ex- and exactly. See, That's all it was. See who fits with me. Correct. <laughs> and uh, a couple weeks later, um, he calls uh, me back over and says, hey, um, I want to talk to you about an opportunity. And, and uh, 
I said, okay, sir, and sat down, and he says, uh, what do you think about being colonel? And my first thought, and he'll tell you this to this day, I said, sir, I, I, I'd be honored and humbled. I said, but I will tell you that you have to allow me to be me. Mm. If you want somebody that's going to step on people and treat them poorly and backbite and be divisive, I'm not your guy. Mm. I said, I would much rather uh, lead where I am. I love what I'm doing. I've got utopia. Uh, I just don't, I want to be me. So what, what, is, what does that mean? Be, being me, yeah. I love people. I love people and relationships and collaboration is important to me. Um, you don't meet strangers in life. I think that the opportunity to be in people's midst and work with them mm -hmm. and find commonalities, I think we're more alike than we are different when you sit down and talk sure. to people. And we focus on um, the wrong things sometimes. You know, we take a minute to assess a person and oftentimes we don't get it right. So I really believe it's important to establish relationships with people and talk about who we are and be honest about who we mm -hmm. are and transparent so that you can understand the lens in which a person is looking at life. Yeah. And when you can, when you can sit down and kind of break down that barrier and have that opportunity, you find out that you have more in common with people than you really realize yeah. oftentimes. So that was important to me uh, as being a superintendent, but it was important to me at every rank of the highway patrol mm -hmm. just to be mm -hmm. myself. And, mm -hmm. and the best compliment people still pay me to this day is I'll, I'll see troopers that I knew when I was a trooper. Yep. And they'll say, you have not changed one bit wow. since the first time we met you. Yeah. And to me, that's cool. Yeah, that is, that's, very, yeah. that's very cool. And so as they say that to you and you look back on that, that journey and, and particularly your years, whether it was as colonel or leading up to it in those leader, leadership roles, as you reflect on you know, leaving your mark as anybody does, says, okay, I could see where I help move the needle in the, the culture, in the safety mission, in the enforcement world of the Ohio mm -hmm. State Highway Patrol. What are the elements now that you've been away from it a little bit that mm -hmm. you can look back on and say, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud. Not necessarily that I did that, but I was a part of what was before I got there and what it is after I left. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you, you study. <laughs> um, you know, as I look back, Ian, one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of is that piece um, where I say I stayed the same. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, to be able to, uh, as you ascend into positions of greater responsibility, to not forget where you come from. Yeah. You know, and that's the foundational piece because people buy into what you sell. And it, if you're not authentic and they know that you're somebody that you weren't, I mean, they know you're going to change because your responsibilities change and mm -hmm. there are certain things you have to do and change in the way you operate. But that core foundational piece of who you are is what really establishes those relationships that mm -hmm. people buy into what you're selling. Right. And, and as a colonel, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that we got back to the basics. You know, one of the things that we had done as an agency is we strayed uh, somewhat from our mission because we were being everything to everybody. Mm. And I, I've talked to colonels across the country who had some of those same growing pains where, you know, our world changes around us. And one thing that I know that uh, our governor in, in Ohio knows is that he can count on the patrol to go 
and take care of things within our purview. Mm-hmm. And we had gotten so far away from doing some of the basics, oh, you know, using technology and data to establish why, why we work and where we work, line assignments, you know, and where troopers and resources needed to be placed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had got, our colonel interdiction mission was very strong under Colonel Pride, and, and I was a part of that. I, I ran our interdiction unit. Um, but I also knew that criminal patrol had kind of trumped traffic safety, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, we had become less technical in, in our ability to respond to and handle crashes. Mm-hmm. You know, troopers were, they would rather trace, chase a criminal patrol point than handle a crash. Yeah. And for me, that's dangerous. You know, that's our core mission. That's why we were developed was to deal with traffic yes and when people are dying needlessly on our roadways and we have an opportunity to intervene in that that's why we were created so we have to get back to that so we ushered in getting back to the basics which was we were going to be good at crash investigation we were going to be great Uh, we were going to get back to doing that as a core belief that if you're a state trooper you better know how to handle a crash and handle it well um, getting back to using data, um, having line assignments, like I said, and making sure that from a collaboration standpoint, we had the ability to give our partners data mm-hmm. that would help them drive their operations because 24% of the fatal crashes that were happening within the confines of the state of Ohio were happening in six major metropolitan cities where we don't have troopers assigned. They're not working in right. the metro areas. Right. so. We're behind the eight ball to start. Mm -hmm. So let's corral our resources, make sure that we know what we're doing and why. Mm -hmm. And we ushered in that getting back to the basics. And that meant talking to troopers, not talking at them, Mm. you know, getting into uh, a space with them where we could help them understand why we were asking them to do what we were doing. Uh, We we really focused on equity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it was just dumb luck at the time. We didn't think that uh, the events of what happened around the country and uh, protests and demonstrations mm-hmm. uh, as a result of unfortunate situations in Minnesota, yep. um, no one knew that was coming, but it really aligned nicely uh, during that. And then obviously when the pandemic hit, yep. you know, we were operating in the blind. You know, no one, we didn't have a plan for that. No. So all of those things kind of rolling back to the basics I think really helped us during both of those uh, tumultuous times to, yep. to really understand who we were and be community service focused more so than we were criminal mm. patrol focused at mm-hmm. the time. So as I look back, I think those are the, the, the key ingredients. And when I say those things, they weren't Rick Fambro's. They were our team. You know, everybody from the colonel's office down, you know, our senior staff team mm-hmm. was very tight knit and very close and even when we disagreed you know it was tough to have those disagreements sure but when we walked out of the the threshold of that door where we were having the meeting everybody's on the same page yeah. you know and trying to move the agency forward yeah and you know whether appreciate the modesty of they weren't your ideas but and they may not have been it was the team but we all know tone starts at the top and even if it's someone else on the team coming up with the idea of moving the ball forward have to have that leader that creates that culture of people that says we can do this together. So Thank I think you're, you're probably to be applauded for that. Um, so I'm curious because you mentioned her early on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before she had the challenges of dementia, your mom's impressions of you going into this line of work. Um, you know, it's it's dangerous, right? Yes. And the idea that, you know, mom of probably sounds like a pretty protective mom of three yeah. boys mm -hmm. seeing you out there in the, the line of danger, um, how how she reacted to that career journey. That's interesting because I as a kid was definitely afraid of sirens. So when, when I saw or heard a siren, I don't care where I was, my mom replaced a lot of screen doors, she'll tell you to this day. I would run a dead sprint if I heard a siren or saw police lights, and I would dive through if the door was into shut the screen door. into the screen door. So I got in trouble a lot for doing that. So fast forward to mm -hmm. 1989 when I applied. Mm -hmm. I went home and, and told my mom. I said, hey, mom, I'm thinking about... Uh, becoming a, a trooper and she said well a trooper what's a trooper so I explained it to yep. her and she says I said remember we lived down the street from the highway patrol academy and she said yes and she started to cry and I said mom why are you crying she said it's dangerous mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't want you to do that mm -hmm. and uh, against mom's advice I still pursued the mm -hmm. the career and opportunity and and I'll tell you there wasn't a phone call that I didn't talk to my mom you know where she didn't worry yeah um and i i look at our law enforcement community today it's much more dangerous today than yeah. it was back then um so i i understand you know the the grappling with uh the safety aspect of it from my mom's lens and my son growing up he wanted nothing to do with it mm -hmm. uh, i think it was a combination of it just wasn't his calling in life mm -hmm. uh he didn't love discipline so and uh, and he knew it was dangerous, so yeah. I never tried to talk him into it. I would have been very proud if he had chosen that line of work, uh, but no, but no, mom, mom was not supportive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did she ever come around as you no. got into a more senior leadership positions? No, no, <laughs> no it never. Changed. And and you know it's interesting, Ian, because my mom still to this day, I think even as I transitioned away from the patrol and went to Grove City, she asked me if I would consider just doing something else. She just came out and said it. She said, why don't you just do something more safe? And I said, Mom, this is my passion in life. Yeah. This is my calling. You know when you're doing something that you don't consider work. Yeah. You know, I didn't go to work a day wearing the uniform. I, some days were tough. Sure. But there wasn't a day ever where I thought, I. This I I want to do something different. Yeah, you know, never one of those days. Yeah. So do you miss it now? Oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> yes. And you know the the people and the relationships. I I, I never loved politics, mm -hmm. so it was never um, a passion for me to to be in the political spotlight mm -hmm. uh, that sometimes can uh, crop up because of where you are right, and what role, you're doing yeah. it and the role. Um, but the people in the journey um, is is just something you never get enough of. Yeah. Because in the law enforcement arena, you don't meet strangers. You know, every one of the, the women and men that I've met over the course of my lifetime, um, you are always met with a smile. There's no scowls. There's, mm -hmm. you know, we all have territorial things that, that you have to grapple with and, and work through right. from a collaboration standpoint, but by and large, relationship-driven-wise, it's I, I wouldn't want anything else. So it's it's hard not to miss it. Yeah. And when you yeah. come to an event like the AIC yeah. 
and you see uh, the partners and the collaboration and the relationships, yeah. it, it just rekindles that yeah. flame for you. So And some probably old law enforcement friends yes. maybe you haven't seen in a while. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, congratulations uh, on the journey, the stories, the mark you've left, the work you've done to make Ohio and our whole country safer. Thank um, you. We're delighted we could recognize you in this way and really appreciate you spending time today with me to tell me a little bit about the story. No, thank you for what AMBA does and for the opportunity. It's a privilege. Uh, again, when Ann called me, I was literally blown away. It yeah. took her a couple minutes to convince me that, <laughs> that this was it, not a, she'll tell you. It, 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 I thought joke. it was a joke. <laughs> so because I know so many people that are definitely more deserving. And when I look at the esteemed list of past recipients, mm. Um, to walk in that that space with people that I grew up watching through the IACP and through AMBA mm. and you mm -hmm. know my mentor Colonel uh, Paul McClellan was I carried his bags for him you know as a young lieutenant yep. traveling to many of the IACP and AMBA conferences with him and oh. watching him in a space at tables figure out from a collaboration standpoint how we could move the the law yeah. enforcement profession forward when you see that it, it it resonates yeah and just know there is no doubt in the audience today a young captain major sergeant whoever it is out there who's watching you the same way and i'm sure in another 10 15 years is going to be standing on the stage just like you accepting that award that's wow. uh, Right. That's, neat. That's the neat cycle of this. Yes. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you again, sir. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.